hello, hello, hello. It is time for episode five of Choreograph Chaos, the podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Nicole. <laughs> of course, right as you're taking a drink. <laughs> and welcome back to our podcast. Go us. Who thought we would be here? <laughs> Not our haters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Apparently, we've gone back in time as well to a solid 2005, maybe. The time traveling podcast. Did you not hear? I know. I wouldn't mind going back there, honestly. So I'm okay with it. How old were we in 2005? Oh, age wise, no thanks. We would have been like 13, 12, 13. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm not redoing half of middle school and high school again. No, thank you. No, I didn't mean us age-wise. I just meant the times. I like all the fashion and everything back then. Yeah, you're into that. I'm into mm-hmm. the... I'm, yeah. I'm like, but Jessica Simpson, that was my prime. <sighs> Once again, <laughs> another thing that we have nothing in common in. <laughs> That's true. As you currently wear a scrunchie, like it's the 90s. This one has a bow on it, though. <laughs> That's the and demon. the velvet. Well, it's fake velvet. Okay, yeah. Like I said, like the 90s. <laughs> I know, this is where in 90s, 2000, and my nail polish is like a nice holographic pink. <laughs> they call it. Talks about boy bands. It really is my. You do you over there. <laughs> I was wearing a cold shoulder sweatshirt, which with if a you didn't know, they made a sweatshirt with a cold shoulder. Now you do. It's not just a sweatshirt. It's a hoodie. It's a, it's a solid hoodie. I love cold shoulder tops. I have like an obsession i think i own like 35 of them okay that made me realize so i just call anything that's a sweatshirt material a sweatshirt whether it has a hood or not but apparently that does not sound correct no i think you can call it a sweatshirt but it has a hood so it's a hoodie okay because i just call them blatant sweatshirt well because there's like a like a crew neck which is like without like what you would think of like a grandpa sweatshirt as i guess Mm -hmm. And my there's, favorites. There's like hoodies. And then there's I like the um like the I learned in England that apparently this might not be true, but the people I know from England call it a kangaroo pocket. I'd never heard of that. I don't think I'd never heard of that until I met from people from I don't think that's just from there. I, I would refer to it as that too. Well, that was the first time I heard it. <laughs> what but, do you call uh, your sneakers? Tennis shoes, sneakers? Um, gym shoes. I guess I call them sneakers. Okay. Same. Uh, what do you call um boots? Boots you wear in the rain. Rain boots. Wellies. Oh, or galoshes. Okay, cool. No, you don't ever say that. I can't even imagine. That's a, that's a real thing. What do you call? This was the one that I had to learn when I joined a sorority. What do you call a t-shirt with a front pocket? Well, we call it a frocket. Yeah, it's a frocket. But I learned that from you. I learned that from a sorority. So. <laughs> That's the only reason I know it. Because I've never seen a gr- group of girls so passionate about a front pocket and a t-shirt that you can't even put anything in. No, that's why I think the conversation started years ago because you were annoyed with the frocket because you couldn't put anything in the frocket. Well, they made such a big deal about it. I would thought it would have been useful piece of clothing but it's not like, my it was phone falls out of it it's, it's miserable just, they just want the logo on it i guess i don't know 
Who knows? <laughs> we'll do a deep dive and come back to you on frockets. I need to have a mental. I need to go to a yoga retreat and meditate on the frocket. Okay, could we ever do one of those retreats? Do you think we would be able to handle it? A yoga retreat? No. Those, you know, no, like those meditation. Or do you watch Real Housewives? When no. Teddy did, she took everyone on a retreat. No. And it's supposed to be like, you know, meditation, you find your inner peace, so there's different activities and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think we'd have inner peace at all. I don't even think you and I have. Like, you would have to have it to start with. I don't think we have, have, have to have the ability to have inner peace. And I don't think you and I have that. No, we don't. I think it's just chaos and turmoil. <laughs> so we could never, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that sounds so nice, but I don't think it would ever happen. For either one. And they like probably don't serve alcohol there, so I don't know if I want to go. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the drinking policy is. That is a good. Why don't good we just question. spend our money on like a cruise once those come back after? <laughs> that makes a comeback. Yeah, they're gonna be dirt cheap once the world they're, decides that we can go again. <laughs> I'm starting to think Jeff thinks he's dating both of us because <laughs> he's talking. You should be so lucky. Well. You can, you know, we can share him. It's fine. You can borrow him if you need him. <laughs> He's tall. How long take him to put the pool up? Oh, yeah. So we put up, so, you know, because we live in, so I live in Florida, and it's September. It's September, like, 8th or 9th when we're filming this. We just put a pool up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're a little late to the game. It's because they were price gouging the heck out of them for sure. COVID. So we bought a 12-foot pool. And we've learned a lot of things. First of all, we didn't know how many accessories we would need. We've like literally accessorized the thing to death. The other day we had pool pillows arrive, which I thought like Jeff had gotten them for us to like put our heads on to float. No, no, they're to keep the cover from touching the pool. Cause then like, that's not the greatest thing, I guess. We got a pool skimmer today. Like we're slowly mastering chlorine. So we got a 12 foot inflatable pool It's 1,500 gallons, and I know that because we filled it not once but twice. (laughs) Okay, so I know. I get a phone call. When was this? Like three, four days ago. Like one in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we put up the pool. I knew they were going to put up the pool that day. It's like, how'd it go? I was like, oh, we put it up. We filled it, and now we are draining it. (laughs) Jeff's out there with a cup trying to drain the pool. Actually, we can get Sherry. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear Lord. Yeah, it's it like, it, so we put it up and it was like a classic. It, every couple should put up a pool. We should add that to the list. I strongly believe there's things that every couple should do together to figure out if they're meant together to be like to be together forever. Um, like One of which is like travel to the other person's family's house for Christmas. Or another major holiday if you don't celebrate Mm -hmm. them. And I think that's like make or break. I think COVID, like a legit lockdown for like two weeks. Can you survive each other? Not this like 17 month thing we've been in. But see if you guys can survive each other. Now I've added build a pool together. (laughs) Because it was a real test of our relationship. Um, We had a lot of things go wrong. First of all, the nature just kept attacking. (laughs) We had snakes coming out of nowhere. We've got frogs. There's a giant stick bug. Like it's been, it's been a thing. We put it up and our backyard has a slope. When we debated getting a pool, we like measured and like discussed and like what actually fits before the slope. 
And then we built the pool and we realized, like, I didn't like where it was. We moved it. And apparently that's not where we discussed and or measured. And Jeff went with it. And then the pool ended up being so sloped that it didn't feel right. And that's how we had to empty it. But, like, we get to the point where it's not feeling right. And just like, I knew this was the wrong location. <laughs> Way to speak up. And I was like, but why didn't you say anything? And he was like, well, because this isn't what we discussed ever. Like, where you ended up putting it isn't where we discussed. And I was like, okay, so if you didn't agree with me, why didn't you just tell me that? And it was a thing. And then, like, moving it was a thing because we tried to move it without, like, completely draining it. No. Our well, backyard no. was, like, flooded. So I don't call, like the green society on us because we definitely wasted 1500 gallons of water but but you watered the grass so we did we watered our whole grass we like it was like a swamp back there for like a day and a half we put it back up and it, we have since used it today was the first day we haven't used it in four days so thus far so successful out. yeah it was just it was a whole thing to put up it was it was an experience <laughs> And then well, I'm point, glad that it worked. Susie locked us out of the house at one point. So Susie's, this is like probably the third or fourth time in my short parenthood of Susie the dog that she has locked me out. Um, she locked us. She hit the bar on our screen door in the place that we were mm. locked out. And at one point Jeff looked at me as he's like, I was like, honey, he, she just locked us out. And he looked at me. He's like, this dog is going to drive us to couples therapy. I was like, great oh poor Suze. he's like she needs therapy we need therapy <laughs> <laughs> what brought you here today we try to put a pole in our backyard and our things went downhill super quick that happened that's what i've been up to what have you been up to for your labor day weekend nothing nothing exciting i guess it's kind of same old same old although on um one of our facetime calls I don't know why we started talking about it, but we started talking about a, what do you call it? Like a wish jar. Oh, yeah. The so wish jar. Nicole had, we were talking about something and we've been talking a lot about manifestation and putting things out in the world. And Nicole said something and I was like, why don't you just put it in your wish jar? And she was like, hold on, I have it. And she goes and gets a wish jar that has nothing in it. She has nothing an, in it. She just has an empty wish jar just sitting in her house. Yeah, it was it was a gift. It was a very nice, thoughtful gift. Which but, you put something um, in it, and now it's not in there. I think it's super pretty, and I think if you put the little wishes in it, it's not going to be as cute anymore. It's like a blown glass globe. And you're supposed to put the wishes in it. We put and a I wish in there the other day. You took it out already. I took the wish out because I thought it's pretty. It actually was your wish. Okay. Well, if you're not going to use your wish jar, I'll use it. What was your wish? I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> You were like, I'm I'm manifesting something. And I said, okay, I'll write it down. So I wrote down Hope's Wish and I put it in there. That was it was important at the time I was manifesting it. It will come back. <laughs> okay. I wanted I wanted you to tell us today, but Oh, I can't even remember what it was. I don't know. You didn't tell me. And I thought it would be a good time. Oh, I know what it is. I still can't tell you what it is. <laughs> Why? I wanna know. Sorry. Yeah. Give us a hint. Nope. <laughs> This is the only time I've ever kept a secret in our friendship, and I'm not telling you it. I'm hoping it will just manifest. What What is it about? Nah. Does it involve me? Yes. Oh, no. If it didn't involve you, I'd fucking tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
that's a random thing or myself, I would tell you, but it involves you. So I'm not telling is you. Is it bad or is it good? <laughs> no, I think it's good. You might think it's bad. <laughs> All right. It's better than it's better than you manifesting an alligator into my backyard. So I did not want to manifest it. I just think it might happen now that you have a pool. Oh man, that would just that was my only thing. Not that I want it to happen. Well, nope, sorry. I'm gonna keep that to myself. We'll play this clip someday when it works out. <laughs> will I know if it works out? Well, I will know it works out, and then I will tell you it works out. Okay. I hope it's good, and I'll be right yet again. <laughs> All right. I hope it's a. I hope it's a good wish you have. My wish for you. <laughs> we don't have the copyrights. We don't have the copyrights. It's creative freedom, isn't it? You're allowed oh. to use it if you're creatively freedoming it. <laughs> If it's so bad that they can't tell what it was. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm the worst singer, so I shouldn't say anything. Uh, speaking of, well, a good transition with music. I started my post-Labor Day tradition today. Is, does it involve Post Malone? Because if it doesn't, we totally should do that. No, what? What? would What? Because you said you're post-Labor Day. Why do you take everything back to Post Malone? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even really like him that much. My God. Uh, no, I started listening to Christmas music today. Oh, no. Yeah, Jeff literally was like, I can't. <laughs> like, I, just left me. <laughs> I don't like Christmas music. No matter any time of the year. Actually, at, I gotta listen to it on Christmas, but I'm just not so a fan. It's so nice that we made it four and a half episodes into this podcast <laughs> before we broke up. I like, um, I like Pentatonix, their Christmas albums, I'll listen, and Jessica Simpsons, and that's about it. Obviously, the tart chart topping singles no, by Jessica Simpson. I think Pentatonix do have. I think they are. I was talking about Jessica Simpson. Oh, what? I know Pentatonix is actually pretty good. <laughs> it was the Jessica Simpson Christmas album I was making fun of. You. In her prime, I think they were chart topping. When was that? Two thousand five. I missed it. <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> happened yet. You were too busy trying to learn your guitar to about classical music to try to know what was the chart topping hit. I think we can look it up right now, and Jessica Simpson will never have had a song in the top 25. I'm what? looking it up right now. Oh I've God. never been more offended. Well, you just said you don't like Christmas music, so you just basically insulted my religion. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Uh, yeah, I've been listening to Christmas music. All um, right. Well, who love it? Just anybody or? Just Pandora's Christmas Station. Okay. It's a little bit of old, a little bit of new, a little bit of blue blah. <laughs> What? I'm sorry, I missed that. That supposed to be Michael Bublé. <laughs> yeah, Bublé. Oh, okay. But Jeff's face, because I was folding laundry, he comes in and he's like, you're listening to Christmas music. I can't. And just backs up. He doesn't even turn around. He backs up. I was like, no, no. He's like, Labor Day was like yesterday. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's time true. for Christmas music. But I know people love Christmas music. And I think it's nice because I think most Christmas songs are joyful and happy, so... I have this ability. We're going to call it an ability. It's a loose term. I'm really good at song lyrics. Don't laugh at me. You know it's true. Yeah. Grossly good at song lyrics. Um, My parents discovered this as a child when I, we've talked about this, when I was like 10 and I knew the entire Sound of Music soundtrack. Mm, That is is true. You do have a really good. uh, It's a blessing and a curse. Lyrical ear. Like I'm great at song trivia. 
but it just means the most random songs get stuck in my head. Okay. Waterloo was stuck in my head and not the ABBA version. Like the bad share cover of Waterloo was stuck in my head. And then that led to thank you for the music from ABBA slash Mamma Mia. Like it, it, it just becomes this thing where like a downward spiral of songs. And it's all because of like one lyric transitions me to a whole nother song. And it's, it's a thing. For my rebuttal, I believe on Trivia Night, the final tri- Trivia Night on Jeopardy, the final Jeopardy question was a song lyric, which you did not know. Which I have to have know. heard the song to know the lyrics. If I hear it twice, I can oh, do the okay. lyrics. I've never heard of that song. No, what, though, apparently everyone has except us. What was it called? Um, it was that doesn't killer. mean anything. <laughs> it was the Killers. I think it was called Human or something. Sure. Watch the people are going to be like, oh my God, that's such an amazing song. Like, Nicole and I never heard of it. We've if never I'd, heard of it. If I'd heard of it before. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I had Jeff, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire came on in a commercial the other day, and I could do all the lyrics to that one. And that one's hard because that's just doing history events in order. Mm-hmm, that's just names. Mm-hmm. I, I love them all. Oh my gosh. You don't watch Parks and Rec because she does no. like, a cover of it, and it's very funny. My TV time is filled with Little House on the Prairie currently. Yeah, I forgot. I'm back to season one. When What time period is it supposed to take place in? Mm, it's like the moving west. It's like 1800s? Yeah, it's like the 18, 1860s, 1870s. Oh, okay. I'll be like totally wrong. Uh, but that's my... Nicole makes fun of me all the time because that's, that Little House on the Prairie is my number one favorite show ever. And seconded by MASH. Oh, my gosh, MASH. Um, The only things... I read the books, Laura Laura Ingalls Wilder. The only things I remember very distinctly was when they made the football, like an actual pigskin football, and when they had the... um, What do they call it? Like the salt house, and they used to cure all their meat for winter. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember that. And was Mary blind? Did she go blind? Did she get sick? She goes blind. So that's the thing about the TV show is they took the characters from the books and like a couple plot lines and then went totally rogue. That's what I thought you said. Like, so I know nothing. So like the, the characters are kind of the same. And then at a certain point it goes rogue and they create their own. It, it, the like Mary going blind is like the end of them following storylines. They kind of like with Laura's kids, they kind of use what was in the books. I was right. 1870s, 1880s, and 1890s. Okay. Here's the thing. And people ask me all the time why I watch it. Mm -hmm. I find it's so wholesome and so uplifting. If I have a bad day, that's what I want to watch is Little House on the Prairie. I want to watch a barn burn to the ground and then the town come together to rebuild it. So the episode I watched today, so I'm subjecting Jeff to it now, who he never really watched it. So he's in for a whole treat. He's in for a treat. Mm-hmm. He comes in and I'm crying over an episode I've seen at least a hundred times. Mm-hmm. It's one of the episodes in season one where there is a gentleman who is probably hard of hearing, but they come, they portray him as able to hear and he's mute. Um, and his name is Tinker and Tinker, the town starts all fighting with each other because they want to put a bell on the church and half the town, the, the, the mean Miss Olsen, wants to donate the bell and have it named after herself and half the town's okay with that and half the town's offended by that because they say it's sacrilegious and the town like 
they all stopped talking to each other and they can't be in the same room. And now they're like telling their kids they can't play with other kids. And Tinker, the mute character, he's a metal worker and he brings all the kids together and they make a bell themselves. And that's what made you cry. The whole story is like these kids are better kids than they're like, they're, you know, they're better people than their parents are. Like while their parents are fighting, they've raised a better generation. And Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I love this episode. And Jeff's just kind of looking at me like, okay. I think it's funny because I think if you, even I think if you looked at us or you knew us, you would think you would like the more like gritty, raunchy shows. <laughs> and I would be like, I love little sweet, innocent shows, but it's totally opposite of what 100%. we like. So I think you laugh. Yeah. Me and my little house. It's all right. So, but no, I think Little House is the perfect transition for what we were going to talk about. Okay. Wait, I have a quote that I read that I thought was funny and very Oh, go. go. I saw it on Tumblr where I find all of my amazing. Speaking of things. shit that's irrelevant, <laughs> I love Tumblr. Oh my God. Come back it's to crazy. Earth where the rest of us live in 2020. I don't want to be in 2020. All right, here's my thing. This is what it said Two Rons don't make a right, but two stupid bitches make a genius. I think that's perfect. So we decided we were uh, doing our weekly meeting about the podcast, which is actually just a string of 47 meetings that (laughs) that we call our weekly meeting. And we were talking about the next five episodes and what we wanted to talk about. And we decided um, that it was time for us to try to dabble into something a little bit more deep and meaningful. Um, I think... A lot of what we've talked about has been like very, like very true to us and very like funny and lighthearted. And I think one of the things that like we wanted to talk about when we were planning on doing this podcast was some kind of like heavier topics. Would you agree? Yeah, we'll see how it works. It might be a one hit wonder, but if it. Well, and I think like what we said way back in the first episode is like we have no intention to give anybody's like opinion or to teach you anything. We just yeah, maybe. We love hearing other people's opinions. Maybe somebody likes hearing our opinion. Maybe somebody will turn around and be like, I don't agree with you guys at all. Here's my opinion. And, mm-hmm. you know, the only way that things can, people can learn is talking about things. Mm-hmm. Again, what, the two two dumb bitches <laughs> make a genius. <laughs> I mean, it really does work. So we decided we would start with like a softball hard topic. Well, I think very fitting to what our podcast is. Which is... Friendship. friendship. F is for friendships. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I do think it's an important topic. I think it's an incredibly mm-hmm. important topic for females. I think friendship. For anybody. Well, but I think females even more. I think boys have this innate ability um, to not have emotions in things. And I think their friendships are simplistic, more simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being, there is no... Well, in preparation for this, I thought back to all, well, not all, but a lot of my friendships to kind of see like how they started, where they started, you know, the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I do think it is a lot of chance. Oh, 100%. In situations. So I don't know if there's a roadmap to like finding friendships. Or to turn something into a friendship, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's, I'm not saying like a roadmap as in like, how do you make a friend? I Mm, think 
friendship is hard to navigate in um in girls i think mm-hmm. in in the women um i think it's hard for a lot of different reasons i think that um you like the dynamics are interesting i think that there is kind of this pressure around the word best friend mm. Um, I think there is a lot of unrealistic expectations in the media of what friendship looks like. I agree like. with that very much. And I figured those are kind of all, all kind of play into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where I'm coming from. I, as a kid, struggled with friendship. Um, this Ooh, was- this is going to be good because we're going to have two sides of a coin here. Yeah, I know I'm the very opposite of you, Nicole. I grew up where friendship is something I've had to work really, really hard at. And I have cried a lot of tears and I have stressed myself out. And I have kind of had to come to terms with understanding what is friends, what is good friends, what is bestest friends. Um, So I think... That's where I come from, where I know you've had, like, a very different view on friendship. Mm-hmm. Is your stories going to make me sad? I don't think so. I, I think they're real. Funny. I mean, I think they're real. No, I mean, it's so good. It's just because it's you, so I'm going to feel sad about it. I mean, I'll feel sad about it. Because in preschool, I had two best friends, and we did everything together. Um, and when I was young... My mom has a group of high school friends and a group of college friends, and they all had kids around the same age. So a lot of – so we got together a lot. We did a lot of stuff together. Um, the only downfall with that is most of them were guys. There was only like two other girls, and they were younger. So uh, so when I was really little, and probably till like elementary, middle school, I had a lot of guy friends, which I think is also an interesting thing that we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause my best friends in preschool was a guy and a girl and I always, I, I like, I love people. So I want people to love me and I always wanted to be, I'm an only child and I always wanted to like be around people and to have that kind of bond that I knew I could never have with a sibling. So I think I tried to emulate it a lot in friendships. So I would always be want to be really close and want to be like, let's be best friends. <laughs> and, you know, when you're little, you're like, okay, sure, we'll all be best friends. And it was mm-hmm. that easy. And I luckily was, I think, in the right situations. My mom, her friends, their kids were all the same age in preschool. Obviously, we did – it was a church preschool and it was in the neighborhood. So we did a lot of play groups and a lot of um, after-school kind of activities, which nurtured those friendships. So that's – probably more credit to my mom than me in that way because Mm -hmm. she was the one that fostered those. Uh, But also I think showed me kind of how to be like a good friend um, and to care because being an only child, sharing was not something that came very easily to me. And I know that was always a thing. Like I wanted to set up the dollhouse the way I wanted to set it up and I didn't understand that you would want to do it differently. And um, so I don't think there was a lot of hiccups but luckily, I could kind of work through them at a younger age. Mm-hmm. 
So I think by the time I got when it was a little bit older and it was more fell on my shoulders to make friends, I understood that dynamic where I think if I hadn't had those previously, I wouldn't have been able to foster those relationships. Yeah. You, I just think you have a more positive outlook <laughs> from the jump on friendship than I did. And I, I'm not going to yeah. sit here and be like, I didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends. I think the kind of place to start is that word best friends. Mm, okay. I think I, I hate that word. <laughs> I use it, but I hate it. Um, I grew up believing that everybody should have a best friend. Mm-hmm. My mom had a best friend her entire life. Everybody in the media, like every book, all of, you know, like the little, like the little house on the prairie and the American girl and every mm-hmm. Disney movie and all of the Disney shows that we grew up on were all based off of everybody having a best friend. Um, and I, I didn't, that didn't come naturally to me. Uh, I really resented that word and I really it it really messed me up for a lot of years because I spent I was this girl that was willing to work really hard at a friendship I wanted a best friend so bad and it just never happened I didn't find those people and I think looking back on it now I realized like I had some really great friends um growing up but they were never like quote-unquote what I imagined a best friend was and that's like the, you know, I wanted the person that doesn't have the other half of the best friend necklace from Claire's. Like, that was what I was looking for. <laughs> and it just wasn't happening for me. And it wasn't until high school with you me. as a learning tool. And then college was, I think, the other big mm-hmm. thing. I, I had to have the epiphany of I need to stop trying to be what everybody else wants me to be. And start being something for myself. Mm -hmm. And then friendship suddenly came more naturally. Yeah. Because I was happy in my own skin and I didn't care as much. And now I have uh, a person that I would say is my best friend from every phase of my life Mm -hmm. since I kind of had that epiphany. I have, you know, you are my best friend from high school. I have a best friend from college. Uh, I have a best like, well, I guess the best girlfriend from every phase of my life. Best mm-hmm. you know, best friend from college. I have a best friend from when I first became a professional out in the world. <laughs> and then I have a best friend from my, like, my early 20s adult, which I look mm-hmm. at, like, the job and that kind of separately. But I I used to come home. I, I can't even tell you how many times I cried and was miserable and just felt crazy horrible about myself because friendship wasn't coming as easy as I thought it was going to and my younger brother I think is like another thing that was hard because he kind of had built-in best friends Mm -hmm. from like they were two kids in the neighborhood that were the exact same age as him and they were this like built-in trio Mm -hmm. and I just I didn't have anybody on the cul-de-sac that was a girl that was my age and like it, it was a combination of things and I just the word best friend made me miserable. I think that's such an interesting point of you look at media, whether it was like a Disney Mm -hmm. movie or whatever, and you think like that's what best friends should look like, which 
when you grow up, you realize like that's all acting, like that's not real. And even mm-hmm. nowadays, like what you see on Instagram, people post isn't you know real. People ham up things for the cameras and stuff like that. And in a way, I'm kind of glad that we didn't really grow up with a lot of social media because we just had to figure out what things were for ourselves. There wasn't anything to look at. Like you're saying, obviously, in American Girl Doll books and watching movies there was, but it still wasn't like in your face and it wasn't necessarily like real people. It wasn't people that you knew. It was just Mm -hmm. an abstract of it. So I definitely think that made it easier for us. So I can't even imagine now how it is. Oh, trying yeah, to navigate that. Um, and for me, I think it was always just you wanted like a partner in crime. I just wanted someone to be my friend. And you just assumed like whoever was your closest friend, that was your best friend. And you didn't really think about like a title of it in a way. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was such a big thing to be like, they're my best friend. They're my best friend. And you just said it. And it probably didn't have as much weight to it as we would say it now. Yeah. Um, I, I think I grasped the weight really early on. Okay. I I had this vision. I don't know. I guess I equated as a kid, my best friend would be my maid of honor. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was, the, and from a young age, mm-hmm. that was a correlation that I always drew. And it never clicked. It never was working. And then I hit you. I mean, I talked to you about this when it happened. Mm-hmm. One day I woke up and I was like, why do I care Yeah, who my maid of honor is? Like, why does that have to dictate anything? And that was mm-hmm. the day I called Nicole and said, I'm so sorry. You're not going to be my maid of honor because I'm not having one. <laughs> I'm not either. So it works out fine. And I like that was like the thing that I held as the like the cornerstone of that would be my best friend Mm -hmm. the person that would be my maid of honor because I don't have a sister so there's not like an obvious pick in that and one day I at my early 20s I dawned on me it is okay to do friendship my way Mm -hmm. with the people that I want to do friendship with and not live in this like what I had hyped it up to for so long. And and I think that was like a big epiphany for me was coming to terms with like my gra- my understanding of the word best friend. Mm-hmm. So I say I have like the bestest friends. I use that, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, 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 I say it jokingly with one of my best, my, my I'm about to say it, my, my, the girl that I would consider my best friend from college. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hang up the phone with her, I say, bye best friend. And, I, and I, it was almost like a sarcastic kind of thing yeah. that it started and then it just became kind of our thing. But I, that was like a big epiphany for me when the day that I woke up and I was like, I don't, I don't need to, there's categorize no. your friends in a way. Yeah. I don't need to categorize them. There's no like hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to make a seating chart and rank my friends in the seating chart. I just. If there there are people in my life that, you know, put in the time, which then becomes what do you draw? So now as an adult, what do you consider the like the qualities that you would define as a like as important to friendship? Um, I definitely think I don't know. I see because we're probably gonna have very different answers in a way, because I would say I'm someone like 
I would hope if you're my friend at all, whatever level you want to be on, that you know like I love you and I don't need to tell you every five minutes that I love you and we might go a couple weeks or months without talking, but it doesn't change my feeling on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I do think you have to put in the time and it has to be somewhat a two-way street, but I kind of also hate that phrase because I think a lot of times and see if you – I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. I think sometimes like friendship means that sometimes you have to be the one that carries it for a little bit. 100%. And you have to be the one that's like, yes, I'm reaching out more, but that's how it works. And then at another point, they're going to be the ones that reach out more and that's how friendship works. And if you always are just on the mindset of like, it should be a two-way street. We should do everything equal and everything should be split right down the middle and I should be putting as much as she's is or he is or whatever your dynamic is. But I don't think that's true. That's not any friendship that I think I've experienced. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I I think that you – one of the thing that I learned now as an adult to use to measure how I judge a friendship is do I know this person will put in the effort that I need them to? Mm-hmm. If you need them, will they be there, I guess? Yeah will like will like and I can tell I as an adult now I can tell when somebody's willing to put the effort in Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean you have to put the effort in 24 hours a day 365 days a week you know and I like it's it's been so interesting like our friendship and like the you know this core group that I've created of my of my bridal of my bridal party (laughs) no 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 maid of honor uh I know every single one of them will show up when I need them to Mm mm-hmm a thousand percent of the time i don't have to question that no and and i think i've learned so much from each of them that it you know and and that's the one thing consistently across the board i've learned is that this person will show up for me no matter what when if i need them they're gonna be there Mm -hmm. i think i stopped learn like i stopped and my adulthood i stopped expecting them to have the same interests as me Mm-hmm. I don't I think I have some shared interest with every friend that I have, but I think the things that we that are our similarities are more like character traits. Every person I'm friends with will are game for whatever. Mm-hmm. So like none of them are like unwilling to do things. They're all very kind of go with the flow. Like when it comes to like if I want to go to a concert and they're not into that artist and I invite them, they'll still go. Yes. If I want to go to do XYZ craft fair and they're not into that at all, they'll still go and they'll have fun. Mm-hmm. They'll figure okay. out. And that's like a big commonality in that. And, and like that, that's been like something that I hold very dear is that these people that will like kind of do whatever and be like, yeah, I'm going to have fun doing literally anything. <laughs> I think that's also we should bust the myth of you can only have one best friend. Oh, because I think I, that's a big thing. People think you can only have like one best friend. If I could go back and tell Young Hope many things, that would be on the list. Young Hope dealt with a lot of jealousy over mm. friends, and like because I, you know, I was seeking out that be all and all best friend mm-hmm. when they had somebody else in their life that meant that I couldn't have that spot, mm-hmm. and that was hard for me to learn. Yeah, because 
because I've known Steph's my other best friend and I've known her since fourth grade. So like when we met, Steph and I were already like a tight best friend thing. So I think that. Oh, when you and I met. Okay. Yes. Yes. Sorry. When you and I met, like I already had Steph. She was already there. So, and mm-hmm. she wasn't going any, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't selling her down the river or anything. I think, yeah. And I, that's like, that kind of goes back to like this like roadmap thing. I think mm-hmm. girls think they can only have one. And I, and I've watched it now cause people so much grief. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you not see this? But like, you know, <laughs> young hope didn't oh, yeah. see it. But I've watched it cause people so much grief and put up with so much crap that they shouldn't put up with. Yeah. We've had, uh, we've had a, like a off, off the podcast. I've had several topics recently about toxic friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that is something that is not talked about. I think girls, not, I'm not talking like toxic best friendships. I'm just talking about toxic friends. Like you want to tell us something, Hope? No, <laughs> Nicole, you're toxic. <laughs> I, know. I know. No, it's just I think girls put up with certain people because they feel like they have to. Yeah. And that was one of the many great epiphanies of my life is I don't have to put up with anybody. I don't. That doesn't make me feel great about being me. And I oh, watch people. You think there's a way to tell if someone's at a toxic friendship? Like from the outside or from the inside? I think it would be a toxic friendship is if that person texts you and you see that name and you don't immediately think, oh, wow, I'm so excited that they texted me. And you have this like, what are they going to say? What are they going to want? What am I going to be involved with? I think that's a number. Like if you ever have that feeling about somebody, you should delete them from your phone. If the person doesn't make you feel good about being you. Yeah. If the person puts you down for being you. And I think there's joking like you and I do where I make fun of things you're in show like Jessica Simpson. <laughs> we just we just witnessed it live. I will go to a Jessica Simpson concert I with you. I was going to say that. But if she went on tour tomorrow and I said, would you go? You would be like, sure, I'll start yeah, the car. I'll go. I'm going to make fun of you the whole time. You will. But it's from a place of like love. I've been around people that made me feel bad for the things that I was into and like they their goal was to make me feel bad no one is that cool that you can be like dissing on other things people are into like i guarantee you there's not one person on this earth that is too cool maybe jessica Simpson, that you that would make you like that can rightly make you feel bad about something like you don't need that person i think but i think a lot of girls are afraid and like especially like you'll find someone better friends groups i think like that friends group so i we when we left high school um nicole did a much better job of keeping in contact with people <laughs> than hoped it um i like I, people i like people that I, I like i should say that i severed ties with a lot of people from high school mm-hmm. not in like a malicious no way it's just i realized that those people didn't always make me feel the greatest about myself and or that those people were like meant to be friends, but not like close friends. And I, you know, I went off into the world and I kind of reevaluated and realigned my priorities. Um, but I think there were people in our high school friend group that did not make me feel good about myself. But I'm like you, where I, if I said some about somebody's behind, I would never say something yes. just 
behind somebody's back that I wouldn't say to their face. Like I'll, I, I have no problem saying something to mm-hmm. their face. Where I struggle is I will sacrifice my feelings. That's exactly what I was. Yeah, for somebody else. Yeah, like, I don't want to cause a rift, so I'll be in pain mm-hmm. instead of making somebody else face their mm-hmm. issues. That's exactly it. Uh, and I have no problem saying something to somebody if I feel that. Like if someone was being mean to me or I felt like they were not treating me fair or whatever, I'd be like, wait, no. And because I came in kind of to that friend group, I came in new and there wasn't any history. Like we just were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And actually the friends that I'm like actually still really good friends with now, we didn't – most of them, not all of them. I didn't develop our friendship till way out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we did it on kind of our terms that way. So it definitely was a lot different than just being like high school friends that s- stayed friends. We kind of started a new friendship in a way. We just had a common interest, which was high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that also changed some dynamics. Um, because probably like we wouldn't have been friends in high school or wouldn't have been as close in high school. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, you kind of learn stuff the older you get and the more experience you have in situations. And I think it shapes your friendships differently. I think that's the neat thing is to be able to learn something from not only your friend, but the friendship is such a cool thing to experience. So I've been self-journaling. Like I've been Mm -hmm. doing like buying on Amazon these like self-guided journals. Which Uh, I know we have the same one. I've never written in it. The one that's like the watercolor one. Yeah, I love it. I've done three or four of them. <laughs> and they're very, I was like the kid that wanted to journal so bad and never had the stamina. Like I have a mm-hmm. hundred journals that I wrote three days in and never <laughs> hey, Three to. days is still good. So I started doing these, you know, prompted journals. And one of them asked me about French. Like it was like, you know, talk about the people in your life that you feel are your closest friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull that out someday when I get married at my rehearsal dinner and I'm going to read it because okay. it's going to make all y'all weep. I like, like it was like a good reflection of like mm-hmm. each phase of my life. Somebody came in that has become one of the most important people to me and how they shaped me into being mm-hmm. a better person and how I'm so proud of who I am today. I hope this is for another episode, but hope hated herself for a lot of years. Hope had a very negative self-image of herself for a lot of years and still struggles with that. It's a very flip coin because I never had that problem. Yeah, Nicole never, never had the self I'm obsessed with myself. And I – it's because of my friends for a large part that I really love the person that I am today. Oh. I mean, um, I am here because of my friendships. Like, I mean – genuinely probably without like you and Steph. I mean, I wouldn't have finished high school without you and Steph. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there's no way I don't think I would have. Um, so do you find, do you find yourself easy to trust others? Ooh, here's where, here's the thing, which you know this about me. And this is anyone that's very close to me. will know. like my cousin actually sent me the, um, Thing I think it was from Twitter, Tumblr, maybe that mm-hmm. was like I'm the person in the friend group or the family that you have to warn about before you bring somebody new in because I'm like the gatekeeper. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm I have a, I'm very – I love the people that I love and I love them with everything that I am. So it's hard for like when a new person comes into that dynamic for me to trust them because I don't want them t- to hurt the people that I love and I don't know them. So I'm the one that you have to win over, which again, I think is funny if you <laughs> know me because you're like, she's – five feet tall. Like what is she laughs at everything? Like she's the one that's going to make or break it. Yeah. Right. Um, so if I like once I am friends with someone, once I love somebody a hundred percent, I trust you with everything that I have. Um, but I will say I am not a great second chance person. Like once that's gone, it's really, really hard if not impossible to get it back. It's that crumpled piece of paper. Like you, no matter how much you flatten it, it never is perfect again. Um, so it depends on the situation, but normally I, once you break my trust, it's I'm done. So once I like, like somebody, then I think, yes, I'm very trusting. Yes. I'll trust you explicitly no matter what, but as soon as anything happens, then it's hard for me to trust a person again. Do you have a moment where one of your really close friends broke your um, trust? I don't have think I ever so, broken I, your trust? <laughs> I don't think I would still be friends with – like I really don't think I'd still be friends with somebody that broke my trust. But I think it's very, very hard to do that. I think you're the only friendship that I haven't had that problem in. With me, like just both ways. Uh, all of my other friendships I've had, we've had to work out trust issues. I don't think – because I also think like I very much – that's my like one thing. Like I don't say anything behind someone's back. I wouldn't say their face. So I don't think there's ever been a moment that someone could break my trust because if you told – you know, yeah, if you said something that I was like, hey, don't tell this person, most likely it wouldn't be that – you know, I would have said it to their face anyway. So so here's where I've gotten myself in trouble in friendships. Okay, tell us because I don't – know. I've never broken – I'm a, a fix-it person. I oh my love god, you to are solve problems. And if I can to a fault. Mm-hmm. I agree with this. I have in instances in my other the three other people that I would consider my close group of girlfriends and my one closest guy friend have done this too. I have overshared something that they told me in an effort to try to fix something Mm -hmm. so i have and oftentimes it has to do with people's relationships Mm -hmm. um and and i have i i've i i think i have such a different view on trust than you do Mm -hmm. um i do you see it as something once it's shattered it you can put it back together, but it will never be as good as it was before. Correct. I see trust and friendship as something you can shatter. And when you put it back together, it will be a thousand times stronger than it was before. That's so nice. I do not have I, that view. I, yeah, you don't have that view. <laughs> but I think it takes a lot, a lot. Like it, you have to do something. Like I can't even think of an example. Like detrimental for me to break a trust. Because I think I would most likely let a lot of things go. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I don't, I can't even think of an example of something that I would be like, no, I can't recover from that. We've never, we've talked about this. We've never really had a fallout. Not that I know. Not that I remember. (laughs) 
I don't, if we did, we probably wouldn't be sitting here. So, but this is okay. So this is the difference. I think that you and how you view people and how I view people there, I, there definitely were moments along the way that I think I was, we're going to use the term frustrated with you. Okay. And like, that was part of my growing was that like, you can be frustrated with this person and they can still mean a lot to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I would say like, because I mean, cause you said it, the, you fix things to a fault. I think in that way, I think sometimes you have to know your audience. Mm-hmm. And so how I would maybe tell you something is maybe going to be different than how I would tell Steph something because you both would interpret it very different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, but that's something that you just, you know, you learn, you pick up, you deal with. Um, because if I know if I come to you, it's like, oh my God, everything's falling apart and blah, blah, you would try to fix it. And if I just need to like vent about it, so I maybe wouldn't come like hysterically to that. I would be like, hey, I need help. What can you, how how can you help me with this? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what you excel at. That's like when I was doing my online classes and I was like, I messed up. I need to send this email. And you and Jeff, like, not only did you fix it, but you got me 100% on the assignment. And I was like, he wasn't even going to grade it before. And now I somehow got 100%. You probably should go I wrote in. Nicole called me because she needed help writing an email. Yes. And I was like, just leave it. Like, let me do it. And Mm -hmm. I sat there and poor Jeff had to be my thesaurus Mm -hmm. as we're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to word this email for Nicole. Like, that's... Yeah. I also carry everybody's emotional baggage. Like this, I know we've talked to kind of touched on this a little. If whatever your emotions on, I take them on. Yeah. We are similar in that way cuz I will say I do think I am a lot of sounding ground for a lot of people in my life. My dynamic with friendship is it's I'm the least likely to dump my baggage on somebody else. I would say for all my friends like I probably talk about my problems the least yeah i'm 50 50 but i also just feel like i i also i'm also just very aware there's times i don't give a shit but there's like i'm also very aware of just putting baggage on others mm-hmm. um and like, and like i don't want it like i if i want to talk to my friends i want it to be like happy and make me feel better and not be like guys this is what my life is because i think I know I'm dramatic, and I do think I could make it very, very dramatic very fast. Mm-hmm. But I just, like, I would rather be like, hey, I'm sad. Cheer me up. Yeah. Then I be like, this is what happened, and then this happened, and then. Which is, I think, for a lot of years, I lean towards guy friends over girlfriends because of that. Because mm-hmm. they don't have the same type of emotional baggage. They don't mm-hmm. Lies the same way so for a lot of years that was my go-to was lean towards guy friends versus girlfriends and it, it worked to a point but then I was still always nagged by like I want a best friend mm-hmm. so one thing that you and I have a lot of experience in mm-hmm. is long distance friendships we do As- I have I realize I have I am the queen <laughs> I, I deserve a crown because Yes, we long distance friendships. Yeah, you both of your best friends mm-hmm. are in Florida. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. when we graduated high school, 
you went to South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to tell people where you went to, <laughs> to school? Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, ha. Clemson. <laughs> which was eight hours away. Mm-hmm. And eight Steph hours. moved to Florida. And so she was like 12 hours away. Um, well, but if Steph drives, it's about 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> At supersonic speed. Yeah. Um, so I lost both of my best friends very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And like, obviously, Steph and I know each other since fourth grade, and we were pretty inseparable. And especially senior year, I mean, I think I saw Steph every single day, like seven days mm-hmm. a week, we hunt out. Um, and obviously, we hunt out at least five days a week. Um, so that was, I don't think I realized it. And I don't think till much later on, I even discovered like how uh, much that affected me. Like I didn't think it at the time, I didn't think it affected me. And I never thought twice about it until much later. I was like, wow, that is a really hard thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um to be like you see somebody every day and you live in each other's pockets and you do everything together and then for them to move a good distance away and not only one person but two people um, was very difficult, I think. At the time, I didn't think it was. But looking back, I think it was. Um, How do you think you made it work? I mean, this was back in 2010, so technology wasn't even what it is today. Like we, like I had a BlackBerry. Like we didn't even have an, I didn't even have an iPhone, so there wasn't even mm-hmm. FaceTime. There wasn't anything. But I know for you and I, we did weekly Skype. Mm-hmm. We made it a point. I don't remember. Did we have one? Was it? Did we do it like every Wednesday? We were doing it, or just every week? We just were like, "What day works for you?" I don't remember how we did it. I think we did. I think we did it like every Wednesday. Okay. I think we were pretty. So we made a schedule, I guess, and we were very adamant about it, which was good because at the time, I think we were teetering on the point where I think a lot of people deal with friends that drift apart. Mm-hmm. I think it's a hard part of friendship is that you for every great friendship you have you're gonna lose friendships mm-hmm. too and not for any negative reason other than your life goes one direction and their life goes another mm-hmm. uh and i think that is even harder with social media nowadays because there's this kind of always constant like that person pops back up in your feed did we, okay, side note. Did we have in, – Answer wasn't invented when we were in college, right? It was. Freshman year? Um, I, I really say... don't think it was because Facebook literally just came out like two years before, if even. No, so face, I had a Facebook my freshman year of high school. Okay. Oh. I guess when did Facebook see. come out? I thought Facebook came out in like 2008. Facebook was launched October 6, 2010. So the fall of our wait the, Instagram, the fall of our freshman, yeah Instagram. Oh, Instagram was October October sixth, twenty ten. Okay, so that would have been the fall of our freshman year. Okay. So it didn't pick up. I mean, no. I would say my junior year. Yeah, I don't think I got an Instagram until two thousand eleven. I think the first person because we were looking at old posts would have been my senior year. Yeah, because it was with Buddy and I. It was when you graduated. Yeah, yeah so it would have been twenty thirteen. So I do think that was, in a way, I will say this. I do think it was very lucky that we didn't have social media because it made us talk to each other. Because Mm -hmm. I find even now, 
with friendships because you see someone post something and so you're like, oh, you know what they're doing. And so you don't feel the need to actually reach out to catch up. But you're like, oh, I saw you doing that. Oh, great. And you don't actually pick up the phone and call or text them, but you feel like you're updated with their life. Yeah. Which before you wouldn't know anything. You would have to talk to them in person or, you know, over the phone. I think if I was talking to somebody who was trying to figure it out now, who was us, 18, Mm -hmm. trying to navigate becoming a young adult with freedom and friendship, I think you have to create your own parameters. Mm -hmm. I I think that there needs to be some type of expectation in the relationship. And I think people often are like, well, friendships should just be natural. Friendships are not. I'll be the It can be natural with a schedule. Mm-hmm. You can, like, and that doesn't mean you have to live by that schedule. It doesn't mean you can't, like, miss a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. But it's some type of, like, way to include that person mm-hmm. in what you're doing now. And over time, you guys will get to a point where that becomes how you exist. So you and I would go months without talking to each other in recent years because we got comfortable mm-hmm. and knew when we needed to communicate and when we had something worth sitting down and catching up mm-hmm. and making that time. And yeah. it, it, that was something, but like the only way we got to that point was having designated friend time. I will say that about um, friendships overall, I do think I am an excellent seeker keeper. Okay, you yeah. Like if you, if someone tells you something and they're like, I don't want anyone to know, I don't tell anybody. Like I'm an excellent secret keeper. And I would never in a million years like someone that I loved and cared about, I would never purposely hurt them. It, yeah. It was just, But that it, is true. I, I actually <laughs> I do have a lot of dirt on a lot of people. Oh, a hundred percent. So I guess to end our friendship discussion. If you could give an 18-year-old gal Can I one say, piece of advice. Yo, go ahead. I didn't say, say one thing. more. Say 30 uh, Specifically more about um, like high school and college, like different – going to different stages of your life. I think it worked out especially well for us because we had that Skype time and so you got to know my friends from college and I got to know mm-hmm. your friends from college. And I yes. do think that made a huge difference because then you, you could talk about people and you knew the person. Like you actually mm-hmm. could put a face with it and you actually had a conversation with that person. And so it just kind of made it like one big friend group in a way as opposed to being like, these are my high school friends. These are my college friends. And everything has to be really separate. Yes. And I think that for us was a huge thing too that made it work so well. They're we were so involved in each other's life. Yeah, we we're completely integrated. And I think a lot of people when yeah. they drift apart, it's because they kind of separated and maybe not intentionally, but they kind of separate it. Mm-hmm. Where we uh, were just yeah. like, we're a package deal. Everyone just love everybody. And my favorite thing is when my friends from different things become friends with each other. Yeah. It's like I live for that. Yeah, I think that's the, but I think that's the cool thing is they is that we just want everyone to be like one big giant friend group and you can't mm-hmm. go around being like, "Well, I want to have this group and then this group and then this group" because it just makes it I think then you start to close yourself off from each group then. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to just having one, you know, giant friend group. So I would say that too. Like that'd be my one tip. Like when you, if you go, you know, whatever it is, like to make sure you kind of, if you can, like integrate your friend groups with each other, because I think that makes such a difference. That'd be your tip for a gal trying to figure out friendship. Um, I think my tip would be, which is going to sound really cheesy and dumb, but I think it's true. And I looked back on all my friendships. This is how they all happened. I think you have to be open to being to making friends with somebody, mm-hmm. um, like willing to. And you have to know it's not going to work out every time and not every person you hang out with is going to be your best friend or even your friend, and that's okay. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the job interview thing, like go on as many as you can so when it actually counts, you do a good job. So when you mm-hmm. actually meet someone you want to be friends with, then you feel like, okay, I got this. Yeah. Um, and then you also – I think in some – you have to be open to it. And in some situations, you have to be kind of willing to put yourself out there. And it can be very minuscule. But, like, I was just thinking um, a friend, Kim, which we went to high school together. But we didn't really – we weren't really friends in high school. And it wasn't until, like, a year ago that she still lives in the area. And I was like, I really wanted to go out. And I was like, I'll text Kim and see if she wants to hang out with me. And we had never texted just ourselves before. We had never hung out by ourselves before. And I texted her. I was like, hey, you want to go out? And are you free? You want to go out? And she was like, okay, sure. Sounds great. And we went Mm -hmm. out one Friday night. And we've gone out since COVID. But we've gone out like every night since, every Friday night. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of put myself out there. And she was open to it. And so it worked. Yeah. And so I think that's. Like, you have to kind of be willing to let it happen. That'd be my advice. Like, no one's just going to knock on your door and be like, let's be friends. But yeah, only. <laughs> so sometimes you have to kind of put yourself out there. But if someone does knock on your door, you have to be willing to open it. Yeah. That's my I, advice. I think, I, think if, I think the advice that I give sounds very relationship-y. Like, you can't love somebody else. Do you love yourself? I agree with that, though. I think that that forget that for relationships. Yeah, of course. You you can, I have found in relationships, you can go on a journey of learning to love yourself Mm -hmm. at the same time as learning to love somebody else. I think friendships, that's even more true. If you do not love yourself, then you are going to be willing to sacrifice and do things that don't make you happy. Mm -hmm. And the people that are going to be your true matches in friendship are going to come when you're just happy being you. Yes. So I agree with that. I think a friendship is a relationship. I mean, it's just you, that is a relationship. You have to be a key. You have to be happy with yourself. It kind of mentions that we talked about before and you had said it. And I thought it was a, such a point that I didn't even think about that. If you don't know who you are, you're not comfortable with your own self. If you want to say, then it's hard for somebody else to make that connection with you. Oh, and I think that was like mind blowing to me. Like that makes so much sense. I spent, I mean, because I hate, I hated a lot about myself for a lot of years. And when you are that negative about yourself, you are not attractive to people to want to hang out with. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hang out with Eeyore. (laughs) Yeah, as an extreme example of it. But like, I really didn't. And then I would be amazed that nobody wanted to hang out with me 
when I was like that. And then one day you wake up and you start to really like yourself. And then suddenly people naturally want to be around you. Mm -hmm. And it's because you you have learned to know yourself and like yourself and that in turn love yourself and then others can do the same thing. Yeah. I think that's a such a valid point that you have to kind of like, I guess cheesy as it is, but you kind of have to like learn about yourself, love yourself before someone else can. I just hope somebody listens to this and feels and relates mm-hmm. and and can feel like they listen to this and they take away that there are other people that are going through the same struggles and debates and internal conversations. Because mm-hmm. I think you and I were really nervous about like deeper topics. Um, yeah. In that like, you know, like what do we have to offer to the table? As you keep saying, we're not certified in anything. Mm-hmm. We're not certified in literally anything. Um, <laughs> and I think that this is such like, I'm going to be excited to listen back to this to see. Because I think these are things that we've never really talked about in Ooh. this like in this black and white. Yes. Oh, I have a point. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I was just thinking like, Steph and I just, I think, instantly clicked and we are very similar. Like our friendship is very similar. We like a lot of the same things. We feel the same way about a lot of people and things. Um, and so in that way, I think it's, you know, if you looked at us on paper, you'd be like, yeah, we get it. They would be best friends. That makes sense. But we do not. But I really think, like, I just kind of realized it. Like, we built this friendship. Like, this wasn't just an easy breezy. Like, Steph and I, we knew each other because our moms were teachers. And she came to my school in fourth grade. And we sat next to each other. And mom was like, hey, maybe you can be kind of nice. Because I actually had a different best friend at the time. And I was like, you know, maybe you'll, you know, whatever. And Steph and I just kind of clicked. And that was it for us. There wasn't ever a... It was easy. It was a very – it's been a very easy friendship our whole lives. We've known each other – I don't want to do that math. Um, it's been super – the whole time, like, we've never had a fight. We've never – like, nothing. It's just been – really. I mean, we haven't either. But it's just been a super easy – and I think our friendship is easy. But I don't think we give ourselves enough credit that we really built this friendship. We worked hard at this. Like, we built – like, there was n- – there was no indication that we should have been friends or we should have stayed friends or we should care about each other as much as we do. And mm-hmm. that's all us. Yeah. And we worked like, very hard at this. Yeah. So I think that's also like I didn't think about like you can build a friendship. Mm-hmm. Like you can make a friendship work. I mean, you both have to be willing to, but you can make a friendship out of nothing, really. From the ground up. <laughs> 14 year old calls started to rethink. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love that. I love when you break into song <laughs> and sound effects. It's mm-hmm. a rag. I love You'll it. You'll get used to it. Um, so I do look at us now. I know we still look, look at, at us now. now. But I think that's why it works so well because we care. Yeah, we want it to work. Do we want to try our more fun ending? Okay, I'll podcast? read. We had an idea to read as to close us out. Um. Uh, Tinder app, Tinder app to read yeah. bio on Tinder. So we had our whole discussion last time, last episode with Doug about uh, 
bios, our own bios. Mm -hmm. And this kind of inspired us too. So this is a Tinder bio. This is a real person. He was four miles away from me. This is his bio. Shout out. Try out this Tinder thing after removing a pretty toxic ex from my life. I can guarantee you've never met anyone quite like me before. Mom died when I was seven, been to five countries, lived in 10 states, had a security clearance before I could legally drink, and I play three instruments, six feet tall, my dog's name is Bella, was Bella, and I like horror movies, thumbs up emoji. Then it's like, you know, return, return, next paragraph. Thoughts and e-girls can move right the fuck along. I don't want to hear about your premium Snapchat or seven kids. Squirrel emoji. <laughs> I mean, what do you, you do with that? They tell me you swiped right. I absolutely did not because <laughs> I was like, who That's put that? Oh, wait. His anthem, his anthem, because you can apparently put anthems on Tinder too, is Mr. Brightside by the Killers. <laughs> because <laughs> nothing screams that. I couldn't believe this was a like. I was like, "Who? Why did you think that was a good idea?" He's putting it all out there up front. You gotta appreciate that. I respect it, but I did not swipe right. But it kind of made me laugh. Squirrel emoji. I like the squirrel. Yeah, I don't get the squirrel emoji. That was my favorite part. That was my rule of thumb when I was on dating apps pre Jeff. Was if they made me laugh for any reason, I swipe right. This made me more nervous than laugh. Or they were a ginger. Question of which category Jeff fell in. <laughs> but it is, yeah, I, if anyone wants to call in and tell us why the squirrel emoji, that would be greatly appreciated. Do squirrels have lots of babies? I don't, we're going to overanalyze <laughs> no, this. Because squirrels are nuts. Like, I don't know. We could go here all day, but. Oh, Lord. All right. So that's how we're going to uh, end I think, it. I have, don't worry, yeah. I have a bunch. So. Uh. Kind of makes me miss the dating apps, but then not at all. No. Happy. <laughs> Don't miss the dating apps. Thank you for having this deep, meaningful conversation with me. Yes. Friendship. I thought you were going to tell the listeners, like, thank you for listening to our deep, meaningful conversation. No. no. Thanks. You're welcome. Because we still don't have an ending. <laughs> <laughs> it's been real. It's been fun. What happened? <laughs> Something like that. Eh. If you have any ending suggestions, please leave them on any of our social media. Call in. Please and thank you. No, because now they're going to try to find a call-in number. <laughs> Nicole. Sorry. Get it together. All righty. <laughs> so. All right. Until we come up with a real ending. Blah, blah, blah.